Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B, SaaS, and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics at Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by Oded Zahavi, the co-founder and CEO of Mesh Payments. Today, we'll be covering three main areas with Oded. First, the evolution of spend management overall and in the SaaS industry. Second, the top ideas for implementing a spend management program in 2023. And third, the top ideas for controlling SaaS spend and fast-growing companies. Oden, please take a moment to give a brief overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Hey, happy to be here. I've been a payment geek for many years. Uh, among other, I was the one who started and managed Middle East, PayPal Middle East in Africa. That was an amazing journey in one of the most amazing, fastest-growing payment companies in the world. Then I ran the business for what is in my mind considered, still considered the most successful global payment company in the world called Pioneer. And four years ago, we founded Mesh Payments. We have been doing a lot of stuff, but finally when COVID started, and we'll talk about it, uh, we decided to move into the spend management space uh, and the rest is the story. Yeah. Let's dig in a little bit to that history. But we're going to start with a foundational, definitional question. So, Oded, how do you define spend management, especially here in 2023? How do you define it? So, there's so many ways to define spend management. In my mind, the, the new uh, next generation spend management uh, platforms are really enabling uh, finance team to automate, control, and have better visibility on the way that the company is spending what I call the non-payroll spend. So usually there are many ways to divide how uh, the uh, focus of finance teams and, and spend. Uh, in my mind, the top level is payroll and non-payroll, um, and we are really focusing uh, on the non-payroll spend. Payroll is a, is a space by itself and with a lot of uh, different challenges. And then when a company needs to spend, uh, we come in uh, in various technologies that enables them in the end of the day to have full control, um, clear visibility, and all of that was achieved by a high, by advanced technology and automation. Yeah, well, let me follow up on that because I grew up at the GE company and we had a corporate procurement card there. And then we started using Concur as a spend management platform. So this is over 20 years ago, Oded. So why has this category become so hot and kind of reinvigorated over the last 12 to 24 months? So there are many reasons why spend management has become really one of the hottest topics, especially when it comes to the CFO stock in 2021, and it's still the case. Um, I'm looking at, looking at it in, in, in a different way than maybe others. For me, going back to some of your uh, historical uh, notions, 
before COVID, spend management was mostly about travel entertainment. So, so many people, mostly salespeople, uh, but not only, were traveling. And for the finance team, the biggest challenge was how to collect those paper receipts. And that was more or less the chatter in the finance team's desk. Did you upload the receipt? Did you bring the receipt? What do you spend, etc.? And I'm not saying it's not a pain, uh, but it's something that can be resolved by a few more employees, usually not too expensive, and a lot of noise. COVID has really changed the landscape in, in few ways. One, T&E have disappeared overnight. So now no more noise, no more receipts to collect. Finance teams have the ability to refocus themselves on problems that are much different, in my mind, bigger than, than that historical paper receipt collection. Second, COVID really made the corporates distributed. Before COVID, most companies were centralized in a single geography, usually in a single big building. So a lot of the challenges or processes were solved by people reaching each other and trying to understand or to approve or to do things that provide control. And when COVID came, companies have become distributed, even more than just distributed, even global. So now you have the same challenges, sometimes more, uh, that for the finance team, but everybody is in different time zones, different geography. You don't see anybody and you need to have tools to help you orchestrate that. And last but not least, before COVID, a lot of the company IT infrastructure and, and, and technology was on-premise, were very outdated. COVID really changed and modernized the software infrastructure of most corporates, moved most of it to the cloud, and that brought new challenges from one hand. Now, how do you pay for all these recurring SaaS services over month for month? And there are hundreds in average in each, that each company needs to spend. But last but not least, it enabled technology companies like MES to integrate to more and more operational systems in the organization, collect data that historically was outside of the reach of the finance team and provide them with insight and help them make better decisions that are now based on real-time data and not uh, from data that is two-day-old or without control. So the combination of all of that brought sophisticated software companies that have a lot of capabilities when it comes to the global payments to thrive. You mentioned give visibility to the finance leaders of expenses they traditionally wouldn't see. Can you kind of categorize? I'm sure you have a lot of data. What are some of those rogue expenses that finance really doesn't have visibility into today? Yeah, first of all, going back to your example about GE, my assumption that there was almost full decoupling between the banking infrastructure, the payment infrastructure, and the software that you've used uh, then, which means that a lot of the data feeds and everything and the controls were usually not in real time. Today, where the, the modern payment technology enabled companies like ours to build their payment infrastructure and the payment stack for, and control it from scratch, you can almost in real time enforce policies and control on the payments as it happens. And that's a huge change. The second thing, which for me, it's always an, ex an example. As I mentioned, I'm connecting today more and more into operational systems. So for example, 
I can identify, and this is something that is so common in, in big and, and medium-sized companies, one person buy one product because he felt that's the best product for the company, and maybe a few months after, another employee, which is with the same company, but maybe in a different territory or even a, a different location, decide to buy the same exact product, but from a competitor. Um, and we can identify that by querying the operational systems to understand the context of the payment. Uh, we are doing a lot of stuff in order to, in the end of the day, provide finance teams insights that are actionable and not just passive reports, That which was what the old technologies have been providing finance teams. Got it. Well, let me pivot just a little bit because a lot of our listening audience are founder CEOs or CFOs of earlier stage high growth SaaS companies, maybe five, 10, $20 million looking to grow to 50. So my question to you is, when should they seriously consider implementing a spend management program? Is it later? Is it early? What's your recommendations? So it's interesting that we are, I call it the post FTX chaos, which if you read the, some of the FTX reports, one of the insights that the auditing team discovered that there was zero control and zero spend management control on FTX, that wasn't the biggest problem, but that's just another problem to have. And, and I'm seeing more and more, by the way, boards and the management that are now making sure that the company would not ignore the need for uh, spend control. Having said that, there is no uh, really... A, Clear rule. In, in my mind, there is a evolution of a company. Usually, a company that is below ten employees will, without a finance teams, uh, will have a very simple product. Usually, one product that can give them solutions very simple to many problems. Maybe payroll, maybe spend, maybe receipt, etc. The complexity of the organization, in my experience, starts more or less when the company crosses the fifty employees mark. That's where complexity starts. I usually say there are three levels of complexity. The 50 employee mark when I advise companies to start evaluating how much control they can, can uh, need to have in order to have, as I mentioned, visibility and, and, and make sure the company operates well. But the biggest, the, the second mark in my mind is the 150 employees. In 150 employees, uh, there is always, usually always a finance team that uh, have clear goals and clear projects. They will try to solve. As I mentioned, it's different between different companies in different verticals, different how distributed is the company, different if the company is global or not. Uh, but 150 employees, by far, it's a milestone that you cannot cross without a corporate spend management. And then what we've seen lately is when a company crosses the few hundred employees, usually the one thousand employees, then the complexity become into a level that it's not good enough to use a, a simple corporate spend uh, management platform. And you need to have some uh, sophisticated tools uh, with technology, with full integration to your accounting system, with full automation. A lot of our clients have, when they started, they started with a simple card with control and they are many uh, in the market today, but when you cross the 200 employees, then that's the time for the finance team usually to evaluate what's the 
next level or what the new things they want to achieve. And that's where we come in. Okay. So with mesh payments, your kind of target ideal customer profile is kind of 200 employees and above, or will you actually start when the, with that 50 employee company? Yeah, we have clients that are uh, 50 employees and even less. Uh, we are not preventing them from using the technology, uh, but our biggest target and where we bring most value is where complexity starts. And complexity starts where, as I mentioned, we cross the 200, 300 employees. Uh, that's where there is a, a professional finance teams. Uh, they have a clear understanding what they want to achieve. They have already in place an accounting system, usually in the cloud, that they want to integrate and, and fully automate uh, many of their processes from the approval of the employee's request to the uh, collection of the receipt and up to, of course, closing the books in the end of the month. And it can be a technology company, but what we've seen lately is that it's not only about technology companies. Uh, more and more traditional companies that historically uh, were not even thinking one of the challenges of our space, a lot of people going back to your comments, uh, discuss how uh, hot is the space and how, may, how much some companies in our space have been growing very fast. In my mind, still the addressable market is so huge. Uh, we are all together not capturing 2% of the addressable market, even in the, only in the US. So 98% of the US companies are still not using a new and advanced technology. And that's where the biggest, the big opportunity for us. Well, that is a pretty large target adjustable market. One of the trends I've been hearing about is the out of control spend on SaaS products. Over 50% of that spend often is by individual employees just finding a tool and buying it. So we see these vertical spend management companies who just focused on SaaS spend. And I actually read some research the other day, Odad, that said one out of $8 of expenses today is spent on SaaS. So what's your perspective on the um, state of SaaS spend management and how do you tackle that? So it's interesting to say that one of our, you know, every company has a ha moment. And one of our ha moments when we started was when we met uh, CFO, one which is now one of our biggest clients. Uh, the day after his bank canceled his corporate card that was linked to almost 40 SaaS services. Uh, and he didn't notice that because, you know, nobody reads uh, the notification from the bank or from the uh, operational systems of the SaaS vendors. And one by one, they started to shut down because when you don't pay, usually most of them will stop servicing you. And, and he was really upset because his mail server did stop sending emails to his customers for a few hours. So that was one of our aha moments. And that's when we decided one of our biggest focus is on the SaaS spend from day one. As I mentioned in COVID, that maybe was the biggest spend that for companies as the biggest part of their budget. In my mind, when you, when you plan how you want to pay for SaaS, as I mentioned, and, and we've seen a lot of what you've mentioned, uh, employees, are paying from their own cards and re reimbursing it to the company. Employees are using trials and, and forget to uh, cancel them. Uh, we even see employees that are using all these usage-based services. And when they go out of control, they don't have an option to terminate that because there is a single corporate card on, in that, 
on file and it can charge them almost anything until they will take actions. So in my mind, SaaS spend control, uh, especially today, is one of the key areas for almost any company as we have built a stack of tools that starting from the orchestrating the process or how do you request to pay for SaaS and in all the companies we service, for example, you are not allowed to pay for any external SaaS service other than through the mesh system in our state. So no reimbursement anymore. You will pay with your, with your personal card. You will not get paid before. And, and this a lot of what I'm saying is about education and, and finance teams have used the technology not only for themselves, but also to educate the employees, which are key parts of the equation when it comes to spend management. So no more reimbursement. Everything is goes through the request process that is orchestrated uh, by the platform. Second, as I mentioned, there is no one size fits all. Uh, and, and in many cases, as discussed, uh, we are connected to the company's infrastructure. So before you even issue or provision the payment instrument for that specific service, we will try to query the organization and see maybe the company is already using that service in somewhere else. Maybe you use a competitive pro- uh, product. So you might want to understand better uh, why you need to buy an additional product and even we, in many cases, try to benchmark and give you some feedback about if we see other companies that are similar to you, if they pay more or less to the same product, which is something that is priceless for finance. But when the decision is made and the approval process has been finalized, then you usually provision a payment instrument. In our, in our case, it's, it's a card, uh, usually a virtual card, that has a lot of control on it, from controlling the amount to controlling the merchants, to controlling, uh, have some more control on the category. And that will be the card that will be on, and we issue a dedicated card in most cases that we use for this specific service, which means that if the SaaS service is go out of control, or if the finance person thinks that it's not, uh, it doesn't want to pay for this with one click, it can either suspend or cancel that payment uh, without the need to impact any other payment in the organization. And of course, last but not least, we have invested a lot of efforts. And I think this is a huge thing which will even evolve over time is how to fully automate the receipt and invoice collection for the SaaS services. You will be surprised how there is no standard and every SaaS service uh, have its own way how to send back receipts and uh, in different formats, etc. And we are really trying to help and work with our clients that in the end of the day, it will be uh, without any manual intervention. So there is a payment, the receipt will come, will be automatically a match with the transaction, the finance team will get a notification that everything is in place, and all of that will be synchronized into their accounting system. That is the level of automation that we can achieve uh, with many companies. And, and, and I think if we'll talk again in a year or two, that will be the standard of all SaaS payments on most of these sophisticated companies. You know, it's, it's interesting. I've been around for a while. And one of the things I used to do is provide EDI, electronic data interchange products for big companies, where they would send a purchase order and invoices and even payment advice electronically using a standard format. So I think what I'm hearing is to be able to receive invoices in a digital format, and that kicks off the payment approval print process, right? 
Yeah, historically, in many spaces, it's not only the procurement space or the payment space, companies and vendors decide to over-sophisticate and to build all these proprietary standards to help overcome some of the technological challenges. Today, with SaaS infrastructure, with the integrations, with the OCR capabilities, you can really do things without going into proprietary protocols that lock you into specific vendors, etc. And these are things that are getting, it's like the internet, everything is standard. I think that those standards and those technologies are also coming to the CFO space, which, as you know, was always the last to be disrupted. These days have come. Okay, I can't believe our time's almost coming to an end, but there's two last topics I do want to discuss with you. And the first is, boy, how do I say this? You know what? I'll start here. There was some confusion in the SaaS industry about spend management versus SaaS spend management in the use of kind of buying services. So they help with the actual identification and selection of the vendor versus just managing the payment process. Do you provide any buyer services that starts before the PO is approved? It's an interesting question because this really comes back to uh, one of my advice to uh, CEOs in these times, that the market is changing and evolving so fast. So you need to really understand and monitor the situation. And some statement that might be true now might be different a month from now and, and vice versa. Uh, because the, the topic you've mentioned for me, and, and in 2022, there was a, a lot of hype around vendor negotiation and, and discussing with us vendors, etc. even though in 2021, because of the state of the economy, you could have asked for a discount, but it's only an ask. Nobody really cares about it because everybody was selling, all these SaaS vendors were selling so much and they only thought about growth. So you can waste your time on negotiation, but nobody will be listening. That these, day, these days are totally different now. I, I'm, I'm amazed how much these, even the big vendors that historically were not even willing to consider any discounts are um, willing to go very deep and offer high discounts in order to, to keep their clients and to reduce the return or to increase the retention rates, which are going down um, because of the state of the economy. So by the way, the first advice that I'm saying to everybody, and you don't need to be a procurement expert to do a, a with even not to procurement experts today can achieve a lot uh, in negotiation with their vendors. And I usually advise to companies to negotiate with all their vendors and think how they can save costs. By the way, for me, the, the beauty of what we do is that we, to negotiate, the first thing you need to have is visibility. And we give our clients, if our clients have organized everything on our platform, it provides them the infrastructure to understand how much they pay, how much they pay before, in, as I mentioned, some benchmarking, and they can even manage and orchestrate this process through the platform. Uh, we are considering if we need, in my mind, and as I mentioned, we are servicing a little bit bigger clients. And bigger clients, in most cases, they don't need us for negotiation. They usually, the negotiation services are, might be successful if you are a very small company and you don't have the skills all the time to do that. If you are a big enough company and you have a professional finance team, it doesn't mean that they might want need some benchmarking or some advice. But 
they can do that job themselves. And we are evaluating if that's the right approach over and over again. But in my mind, the key thing here is, first of all, to make sure you understand what you pay, to understand what's the uh, dynamics of the uh, cost or the prices you have been paying. And that's the key for saving a lot of costs now. And as I mentioned, I'm seeing the prices for most SaaS services are being either going down or being much more attractive than they were in 2022. Got it. Okay. Well, one last question. So pull out that crystal ball and tell me, what do you see your top one to two predictions for how spend management is going to evolve over the next one to two years? So the first thing that is already happening, and, and, and as I mentioned, in 2021, management was a very high topic. So there were a lot of companies coming into the space with relatively simple products that are almost a commodity. Uh, what we are seeing more and more in the market that a lot of these offerings are being disappeared or being consolidated, but there is more and more focus on the big players that are really providing sophisticated technologies in our space. The second thing, one of my lessons over this almost three years journey now is that you cannot look at spend as one size fits all. And it's very different how you orchestrate suspend to the way you orchestrate, for example, travel and entertainment space. And as you know, travel is back and we are seeing a lot of shifts of budgets. We'll see what how what 2023 will bring because budgets are being decreased, but still travel is increasing compared for sure to 2021. And companies, more and more companies are looking for ways to uh, better control and have better visibility with a great user experience uh, when it comes to travel. But we are building, if I'm looking forward a year or two years from now, I think there will be a lot of focus on making sure you are solving and most companies will not start trying to solve all the all the spent problems at once, but they will choose the specific areas where the pains are the biggest. It might be SaaS, it might be TNE, it might be how you pay for marketing. Um, and they will solve that and after that will increase uh, the platform or bring the platform to other areas in the company. That's something we already see. Well, thank you for that insight and your predictions. Unfortunately, we are coming to the end. So I'm going to let the listening audience get to know you a little bit better personally with three quick questions. Number one, which CEO or company are you following today? So I won't use a CEO or, or a company. I will say that I, I'm really watching closely the SAS uh, CFO, which is a, an interesting Twitter thread with a lot of Knowledge, that's one thing I mentioned. I will mention. And the second, as you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still Israeli. I'm spending my time between New York and, and Tel Aviv, but there is a, a lot of turmoil now in the Israeli ecosystem. And, and I usually follow uh, the Papaya Global CEO, uh, which is lately making a lot of messaging around how the future of, of the Israeli economy should look like. And I urge everybody to understand it. Great recommendation. And my last question, what advice would you give to a recent university graduate who wants to be the next great B2B company founder like you? What's the advice when they're 22 years old? 
it comes back to something I heard a lot many years ago when uh, uh, somebody interviewed to uh, in, on TV and he, the, the anchor asked him, what do you want to be when you will be older? And he said, he said, I want to be a celeb. In my mind, there is no profession called a celebrity. And the same thing is there is no profession called a CEO. You first need to choose uh, one profession that you will be expert in. It can be sales, it can be marketing, it can be product in a specific space. As I mentioned, I chose a very early payment and I'm making up myself knowledgeable and professional in that space um, through the years. So choose a space that you like, choose a profession and the rest will follow. I love it. Choose a profession that you like and quite frankly, passionate about. Totally. It's all about passion. Well, that concludes today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Oded Zahavi, the co-founder and CEO of Mesh Payments, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. And to our listening audience, if you're enjoying the guest and the quality of the content that we're providing, it would mean the world to us. So go ahead and subscribe to the Metrics to Measure Up podcast from your favorite podcasting app. Go ahead and give us that five-star rating so that other professionals can have access to the amazing guests that have been on our show. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Oded. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.